Hey, e-commerce friend, today's episode is a replay of one of our most popular episodes. And even if you listen to it the first time, I encourage you to listen to it again, because it's likely your business has evolved a lot since then, and there might be something that's more relevant to you right now, or you might just hear it differently. So don't go away. Listen through. Let's get into it. Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. It's been a while since I've done a solo episode, and I'm happy to be back here with just us. And even more exciting is we're talking all about your most frequently asked questions. Side note, if you commented on the post in the e-commerce badassery Facebook group sharing what you wanted me to cover for this episode, and you don't hear your answer, it's because it's on the list for a full episode. So if you don't already follow the show, hit that plus button This way you'll get notified every time a new episode is available. Okay, let's get right on into it. Question number one, how can I get more traffic to my website? The answer to this can totally be its own podcast episode, and actually it has been. So definitely check out episode 56 for more details, but I'm still going to talk about it here. Before I get into some specific things you can do, I want to remind you that your business is not about you. It's about your customer. So we have to think of ways to make it worth their while to come to our websites. And having cool products isn't enough. So whether it's educational content that you can direct them to, new collections that you release on a regular basis, or even just reminding them why they want a product like yours, it's up to you to make sure that our customers remember to check out what you have to offer. And this is something that I'm constantly reminded of in my own business. At the time of this recording, we've been doing a soft launch for my new membership for e-commerce business owners called The Lounge. Nicole and I, she's partnering with me on it, have done little other than announce it to our existing audiences on our email list and in our Facebook groups. And because it's a relatively small group of people, I've been careful not to talk about it too much. Sound familiar? But every time I talk about it, a new person joins. And it's the same with growing my Facebook group. When I talk about the free group on Instagram or on the podcast, new people join. When I talked about the holiday planning guide or the content bundle, someone purchased it. So my number one piece of advice for driving traffic is making sure you're getting out in front of your audience. We just can't expect people are going to magically find us. And we have to remember that it generally takes a lot of interactions with your brand before someone's going to buy from you. But I know what you really want to know is how do you do it? Well, there are a number of ways like organic and paid social media, SEO or search engine optimization, 
affiliate and influencer marketing, email marketing, and collaborations. I'm going to put a few links in the show notes to other episodes where we go deeper into many of those topics, and I encourage you to listen to each of them if traffic has been a struggle for you. For today's episode, though, I'm going to talk about collaborations, because this is honestly one of the fastest ways to grow your business. If you've been following me for a while, you have probably noticed that I pop up in a lot of other places on the internet, not just on my own channels. I do a lot of podcast interviews. I've been on a few different panels for virtual summits. I've even done guest trainings in other people's paid programs or Facebook groups. And in fact, many of you who are listening to this podcast episode right now likely discovered me in one of those other places. This has really been the biggest contribution to my growth. Well, that and word of mouth from happy clients and collaboration can help you grow your business too. Whether you're just getting started or you've been in business for years, getting in front of other people's audiences is very powerful. So what does it look like to collaborate? That depends a little bit on your business and product, but let's talk about a few different options. The first way is to collaborate with another e-commerce business owner who sells a complimentary product. You can do things like create a bundle of your products that you both sell on your own websites. You can shout each other out in your emails or on social media. You can include inserts to promote the other in all of the orders you ship out, or maybe you even do a joint live video where you where you sell your items live. You can also collaborate with an expert in your industry or even better position yourself as the expert. If you sell CBD and market your product as a way to be anxiety, find someone who educates on anxiety, do a live video together, be a guest in their program, have them write guest posts for your website, offer their audience a discount to try your product for the first time. If you want to position yourself as the expert, hook up with someone who educates entrepreneurs and talk to them about how they can use CBD to have a more productive workday. The same is true if you sell makeup. Partner up with a personal stylist or an image consultant. Do a guest training spot in their program or their free Facebook group. Ultimately, the focus here is about educating people helping them solve their problems, and obviously showing them how your product can help them get the result they're looking for. As you start to make a name for yourself in the industry, you can also start doing collaborations with influencers. If you sell candles, partner with a vlogger to create a signature scent they can promote to their people. If you sell kids clothes, partner with a mommy blogger to design a piece for your next collection. And even if you only end up breaking even on those types of partnerships, the goal is to get your brand in front of new eyeballs. And generally, when the customer comes to your website for this one thing that that influencer was promoting, it's likely they're going to buy other items from you as well. And when you give them a really great experience, now you've upped your chances of bringing them back. A friend of mine, Jesse, created a men's grooming brand called Mason's Pomade. When he first started his business, he focused on creating relationships with barbershops and stylists, leaning heavily into the wholesale side of his business. And of course, selling wholesale didn't make him as much profit as when he sold direct to consumer, but it built him an army of brand ambassadors who sold his consumable product to their clients, who talked about him on social media. 
and who created a bunch of amazing educational content using his products that he could then share with his audience. Having these partnerships with so many barbers instantly added credibility to his brand in the eyes of the end user, and he has been able to branch out to create a men's lifestyle brand, selling t-shirts, hats, candles, and more alongside all of his grooming products. And his relationships with these barbers were so strong that when he was first starting his company and he was still working full-time, we used to work together, those barbers and brand ambassadors would represent the brand at in-person shopping events for him when he couldn't be there because he still had the nine to five. Ultimately, there are so many different ways you can lean into this collaboration angle. And I truly believe that if you're not taking advantage of this, especially when you're just starting out, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity for exposure. Question number two, should I do Facebook ads? Will they make me more money? The answer to this one isn't so cut and dry. It really does depend. I generally recommend that you prove product market fit organically first, but I understand that can be hard to do when you're just starting out. It's kind of the chicken and the egg, right? The important thing to know about Facebook ads is that they are not a silver bullet. Nothing is, but they can have a very positive impact on your bottom line. But if you're gonna start ads, Treat it like gambling at first. Invest what you can afford to lose and then be pleasantly surprised when you start making money. That's not to say everyone is going to lose money, but some people do in the beginning. And this is especially true if you're going at it alone and you've never done ads before. If you are going to start ads, it's so important that you understand your numbers first. What is your website conversion rate? How much is your average order value? What is the lifetime value of your customer? Remember, it's okay if you don't make money on that first sale because the goal is for you to bring them back to shop again and again. That's your lifetime value. So if you know on average a person spends $500 with you and it costs you $20 to acquire them, it's still well worth it to spend that 20 bucks, right? Like if you look at it, Initially, $20 seems like a lot to pay for a customer, but if they're spending $500 with you over the lifetime of shopping with you, then it's not so much. It's important you understand these numbers so you can determine what you can afford to spend and figure out what success looks like for your business. I am sure you're also wondering about iOS 14 and all the horror stories you've heard about that. Yes, there are definitely some things being affected, mostly retargeting and lookalike audiences. But cold interest-based audiences that are based on Facebook's first-party data are performing just fine, at least for our resident Facebook ad strategist, Nicole Dietrich of Dietrich Marketing Strategies. If you're ready to get help with your Facebook ads, she's definitely my number one recommendation. Ultimately, yes, Facebook ads are likely to make you money. They, however, will not necessarily save a failing business, and you still need to provide an awesome customer experience that will bring that customer back again and again. And if you are going to do ads, make sure you have your email automation set up so you can continue to nurture the relationship with them. Question number three, how can I grow my email list with people who actually want to buy from me? Just like giving people a reason to go to your site, you also have to give them a reason to get on your list. There's going to be some episodes in the show notes for you to listen to on this, 
but I'm going to talk about two things today that I feel like aren't talked about enough. The PDF download and the quiz. The download freebie, which is so common in the educational and online informational space, right, can also work for a product-based business. A previous student of mine who owns a boutique was really struggling with this because she felt like, who am I to give styling advice? And she was getting caught up in the design of the actual PDF, right? And she just wasn't getting it done. So we just gave her the kick in the pants she needed to push through those blocks. And when she finally made it live, she got a sign up the first day it was up. If you're not sure what to create for your business, just take a step back and think about what else does your customer care about or what is the problem they're trying to solve when they buy your product? Then create content around that. So if you sell a planner or productivity tools, talk about productivity and organization. If you sell fitness apparel, talk about healthy eating. If you sell makeup, talk about skincare or makeup application. If you sell jewelry, talk about styling jewelry and mixing and matching it. Do you notice a trend here from question number one? We're still leaning into educating our customers. Remember, people don't buy products. They're buying solutions to problems. Show them how your product can solve that problem for them. The second is the quiz. And I particularly love the quiz option because not only is it fun for your customer, but it helps you collect more data about them and helps them find the right product mix for them. Before I get into some examples, I want to share my new favorite quiz platform. I recently discovered it because I was a guest on a podcast the company runs. The founder, Gen, is a super nice guy, and he's created the best quiz platform for Shopify and Klaviyo that I've come across. What makes it the best is that the sync for when the customer hits submit to when the data reaches Klaviyo is in real time. It happens immediately. Previously, lots of people have used tools like Typeform to create quizzes and collect the info inside their Klaviyo account, but that sync only happens every 15 minutes, so if you're sending an email in response to their quiz submission, they could be waiting a long time for that email, and it's not a great customer experience. The platform is called Prehook, and I'll link it for you in the show notes. So what kind of quiz can you create? Well, just like with most things, it's going to depend a bit on your product, but let's run through a couple of general ideas. The most obvious is some sort of quiz to help them figure out which of your products would be best for them. And this works the best when you have a pretty wide assortment of items. And if you want to see a live example, go check out Glossier. Their skincare quiz asks you things like what your skin problems are and how many steps you're willing to commit to. Then it gives you recommendations on products that would make the most sense for you. If you say you only want to commit to three steps in your skincare routine, they show you three products. If you say six, they show you six. If you sell apparel, a find your style quiz is an obvious one here and is perfect. You don't really need to get any more complicated than that. But what if you have a really small product assortment? Well, then you can create more of a personality type quiz, you know, like your favorite BuzzFeed quizzes. You still want some sort of educational component here, so I recommend you position the quiz to help them find the best way for them to incorporate your product into their life, giving them some other tips and tricks for how to accomplish the goal they want to accomplish or solve the problem they're trying to solve. So for instance, 
Let's say you sell a collagen supplement and you want to help the customer figure out how to start incorporating it into their life. Well, you can start off with asking them some questions about why they think they need collagen, mostly for your own market research. And then you ask them some questions about their daily habits so you can recommend the best way for them to start using it. Maybe you find out that they never skip their morning smoothie, so you recommend adding it to that. Or maybe they tell you they love to cook a healthy meal each night, so you show them some great recipes they can add your collagen to. Or maybe they suck at habits overall, raising my hand, so you encourage them to just add it to their water bottle and drink it throughout the day. The most successful quizzes are going to help them reach their goals while also collecting vital information for you that you can use to market to them, whether it's identifying what type of content to create or helping you segment your customer in your email marketing. Question number four, how should I segment my email list and scale my email marketing? Ah, segmentation, that buzzword we're always hearing in the email marketing space. I've talked all about this in episode 68, so definitely go back and listen to that. But someone also asked me how they can scale their email marketing. So I wanted to focus more on that in today's episode. Before we get into the how, I want to walk you through some email marketing benchmarks to set the stage for you. On average, email marketing drives anywhere from 20 to 35% of your total e-commerce revenue. Now, you will, of course, hear some stories about businesses that drive a lot more than that from email, but I don't want you to feel like you have to hit those crazy numbers. And I don't know all the things about everyone's business, but generally, if their numbers are significantly higher than that, it likely means they're not getting enough new customers or they're not utilizing their other channels as effectively as they could be. Additionally, some businesses will be lower than this. Often you find that with newer businesses who are still acquiring a lot of new customers or those who are on a subscription model with a lot of recurring revenue. In general though, aim for that 20 to 35% contribution from email marketing. So how do you get to that point? Honestly, the first step in scaling your email marketing is just by sending more emails. And what that looks like for you depends a lot on where you're starting. To keep this really general, first, let's talk about how you can start increasing your email sends without alienating all of your subscribers, because you can't go from sending one email a week to sending four. That's going to confuse people and you might lose a lot along the way. So I recommend that you first start by increasing the number of emails you send per week by one at a time. Stick with that new cadence for eight weeks, monitor your results, and then increase it again by one for eight more weeks. If you're not sure what metrics are good when you're monitoring those results, listen to episode 19 of the podcast where I share what you should be aiming for. We're going to talk about open and click and conversion and all that good stuff. Two other things to keep in mind are the size of your email list and your product assortment. Generally, the bigger your list and the wider your assortment, the more emails you can send. But if you have a small list or only a few products, that doesn't mean you can't increase your sending volume. You just have to ask yourself, what's in it for them? This is not you pushing your product three times per week instead of one. 
This is you bringing more value to your subscribers' inboxes. This is you helping them solve the problem they are having right now, whether that's the direct problem your product solves or it's helping them find the perfect gift for someone else. Again, I'm going to put a bunch of links in the show notes for other episodes to help you increase the effectiveness of your email marketing. But my number one tip here, don't overthink it and just start leaning more into this channel. Question number five, should I upgrade to Shopify Plus? When you're just starting out, it's a no brainer that you don't need this. But as your revenue starts climbing, you'll begin to wonder or a Shopify rep might even encourage you to make the switch. So let's talk about the main differences between Shopify Plus and the lower plan so you can decide whether or not it's for you. First things first, at each level of a Shopify plan, you get larger shipping discounts, lower payment processing fees if you're using Shopify payments, and then lower transaction fees if you're using a third-party payment processor. You'll also get some additional reporting, additional staff accounts, and a few other features from the basic through the advanced plans. Shopify Plus, however, also comes with a few features and apps that you can't get on the regular Shopify plans, including even lower payment processing rates. So what are those features? Well, there are three main features, or they're really just apps, that truly set the Shopify Plus experience apart. First is Discount Scripts. Discount Scripts allow you to run more complex promotions than you can with the built-in Shopify discount engine, but it still comes with its limitations. The first being the fact that they are scripts that need to be written by a developer or created with an online tool. The discounts I most often use scripts for was to do a real buy more, save more where each tier used the same discount code. So it would be something like spend $100, get $15 off, spend $150, get $25 off, etc. To do that with regular Shopify, you have to have a separate discount code for each of those tiers, which is super confusing for the customer. But with scripts, you could have one discount code that would check to see, okay, which tier are they at, and then apply the appropriate discount. The other discount I did a lot was offering a higher discount, like 25 or 30% off, but only on one item in their cart, and we would just apply it to the most expensive item. That worked really well for my previous job because like the best stuff, the things that people really wanted were often $150 plus, right? So they really loved that, and it always performed really well, and then they bought a whole bunch of other crap that really made up the difference for us. Scripps was also great for creating a true buy one, get one, where it would match up the prices of the products to give the customer the best deal. If you've ever used the buy one, get one, the BOGO in Shopify's native discount engine, like let's say you put two $50 products in there and two $10 products. It's going to take that discount off of those two $10 products, right? Which kind of sucks for the customer. But with discount scripts, it would match up the two $50 products and the two $10 products, discounting one of each of them. So it would, it would do the math and kind of figure that part out. The other cool thing about discount scripts is it would allow you to automatically apply discounts to the cart without having to apply a discount code. Now you can do that in Shopify with their 
automatic discount feature, but all that does is automatically apply the code to the cart. So the customer can't remove it and they can't use any other discount instead, which kind of sucks for the customer. Like let's say maybe you're running a 10% off sale and you have it automatically applying, but they have a welcome discount that's better. Like they can't remove that automatic discount and then use their welcome discount instead. Whereas with discount scripts, you could have it automatically apply that 10% off, but then they can still apply their own discount code. So this really came in handy when we wanted to discount a particular collection, but we still wanted the customer to be able to use their welcome discounts, for instance. The other app you get access to on Shopify Plus is called Launchpad. This allows you to schedule the publishing of a theme in advance. So if you wanted to update your homepage banner, for instance, for an upcoming sale, but you wanted it to go live outside of regular business hours, you could do Launchpad to just publish a whole new version of your theme. Now, I actually never used this feature. I don't think I ever used it once, but that's because I had a developer create me a timed homepage banner like just the section where I could set it and say, run, show this section, you know, between these dates and times, and then show this other section starting at this other date. So instead of publishing a whole new theme, I just changed out that one section automatically, but it's still a pretty cool tool. And then the third app you get is called Flow, which lets you automate a bunch of tasks on your Shopify store. So you can do things like hiding products when they're out of stock, tagging pending PayPal orders, automatically create URL redirects when a product is archived, etc. Flow also integrates with other Shopify apps. So you can do things like award loyalty points when someone leaves a tip or when they hit a certain number of orders. Now, in addition to those apps, you also get a dedicated customer success manager And you can create multiple stores to either create a staging site if you want like a a duplicate of your store to test new apps and things like that. Or you can even have multiple front facing websites if you sell to different countries and different currencies and all that goodness. So all of that sounds pretty cool, right? But here's the thing. Pricing for that starts at two grand per month and goes up based on how much revenue you're doing. Now, of course, you will be saving some money with your payment processing and shipping if you use Shopify shipping. So you'll, it's worth it to just do the math. But jumping from $2.99 a month for advanced Shopify to two grand per month for Shopify Plus is pretty friggin' steep. So the question is, is it right for you? Now, that's hard to answer without knowing more about your business. So you really have to just think through those extra features, think about your current workflow and figure it out if it's worth it for you or not. One thing I will say is that while having the customer success manager is cool, it's not worth the extra spend in my experience. It's still very limited in what they can help you with. Like they're not going to help you with any custom code. They are, they rarely, 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 if ever will recommend an app right? Because they need to be fair to all of their app developers. So they're never going to say like, oh yeah, go get this app. It's perfect for what you need. Like I can't, 
I don't really know. I mean, this is not to poo-poo Shopify. I love Shopify. I just don't really ever remember the customer success manager and feeling like, oh, thank goodness we have them. You know what I'm saying? Ultimately, the decision really comes down to those three apps, Discount Scripts, Launchpad, and Shopify Flow. And in my opinion and my experience with Shopify Plus, that's where the value is. So if you've been thinking about it, I recommend you sit down, think through your systems and your processes, talk with your team, map out how you would use those features. Check out some of the Shopify flow templates and see would it make a big impact on your workflow and then just start doing the math. What will you save in payment processing and or shipping fees? Would you save on payroll because your team could be more efficient with those additional tools? Are there just one or two things you wish you had that you might be able to accomplish with a one-time development fee instead of an ongoing monthly charge? It's a lot to consider and I recommend you just take your time with it. And that, my friend, is a wrap for today. But don't forget, Scroll down to the show notes and get links to these other episodes that go deeper into some of the concepts we talked about today. And if you have some other questions you'd like me to answer on the show in this kind of format, message me on Instagram or come join the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. I hope you're having an amazing day and I'll see you on the flip side, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.